Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today is the founder of Geyser Fund. That's G-E-Y-S-E-R. Go check them out on Twitter. And Mick joins me to talk about why he started the project and what it is. What is it? Crowdfunding. Think crowdfunding. Think a Kickstarter or, you know, one of those mainstream fiat legacy crowdfunding platforms. Then apply Bitcoin and Lightning and plebs to it. And you have the best project to be able to launch your own project, to reach out to the pleb army and say, yo, and building something do you think this adds value would you be able to throw me some sats to kick me off or keep me going and we're talking like minimum stuff like 10 bucks you can just throw something over there or like dushan recently did with his hill run in rotan we managed to to sponsor that and try and get some cash together for uh, a new kid's toilet at a school but th there are so many projects on it you've got to go and watch it Excuse me, you've got to go and check it out. Uh, and I hope you enjoy this rip because we talk about a lot of stuff as usual on these pods. You know what they're like by now. But if you uh, if you want to reach out to Mick after the show, make sure you shoot him a DM and find out more about Geyser. And please support your plebs out there. There's so much great work being done that needs support. Talking of support, the show is supported by some great Bitcoin-only companies that I'm proud to work with and promote. Uh, if you are in the US and you want to start stacking some sats or if you want to add to your stack and you want to do that in the best way possible with the best team possible in the US, you're looking at swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. That will get you free 10 bucks. They are a buy only DCA service. They will not let you sell your corn. What a great feature that is. Across the pond in our part of the world over here, Euroland, you can use Relay, R-E-L-A-I ch forward slash bitten use the code rel727 to save on commissions these links and all the details are in the show notes you can also use coin corner over here they're an exchange and you can set up auto buys with them as well audio bolt cards with them so you can start spending your satoshis and supporting those businesses brave enough to step into the Bitcoin ecosystem and start accepting Bitcoin for their products and services. If you want to stack KYC free, head over to hodlhodl.com forward slash bitten. Save on your trading fees there. That is a peer-to-peer -peer trading platform where you can exchange fiat for Bitcoin without doxing yourself. It's a brilliant service and they are also the organizers of the Riga conference, the Honey Badger. So make sure you're looking out for that. It's going to be start of September again. Uh, then once you've got those coins, if you want to try running them through a coin join service, you can download wasabiwallet.io desktop wallet, hit receive address, and run some satoshis through a coin join service. See if this is something that you're interested in doing before taking full self custody on your Bitbox O2 hardware wallet your signing device the bitbox o2 is bitcoin only 
you can you, you can get a discount from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and use the code bitten. Here's my rip with Mick. All right, we're recording. We're here with Mick from Geyser. How you doing, mate? Uh, happy days. Thanks for inviting me. I'm doing great. Good to be here. Uh, and it's lovely to meet your daughter. What's yeah. your name? Well, Lauren Lauren comes in and asks the first question on each on each pod. So yeah. why don't you fire away, Lauren? Make sure you're right into the mic there. Um, so what's your favorite thing about Bitcoin? What's my favorite thing about Bitcoin? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably the the thing that's so hard 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 to crack for a lot of hard to crack for most people that are coming in for the first time is just the idea that it's uh, it's a set of rules that um, if everything goes right nobody gets to change right and and nobody has ultimate control over it's the fact that it's a it's um, a system that we can all finally step on and uh, be equal you know be really truly. Uh, I'm a meritocracy where everyone gets to play by the same rules and not not some people are advantage over others. So I think that that's probably my the thing that I love most about the, like the principles of, of Bitcoin. Yeah, mm-hmm. very good answer. Yeah. Do you want to ask what Mick does? Um, yeah. So what is your job? I got the sticker here. Look, it's called Guy Geyser. Geyser. Yeah, so Geyser uh, is a crowdfunding platform that uses uh, Bitcoin and Lightning to essentially enable uh, anyone, any creator to launch their ideas and to be supported by their community and uh, and therefore sort of help to make those ideas into, into reality. Um, and the cool thing about Geyser is that it's you know global because Bitcoin is global, uh, borderless. And so we operate by the same principles and therefore we can um yeah we don't have to essentially open bank accounts in every country or you know um we can just sort of work and exist and the cool thing i was explaining to lauren earlier the, the, the really cool thing about this is the fact um let let's say lauren she had a business idea she she pitched it to jonathan from 1031 and he was very interested and it was to make little plushies uh, okay. which or big plushies, yeah, depending what the customer wants, right? Yeah. Uh, which is what Lena does, Lena Sesh, big shout out, because she... Right. We, we met Lena at uh, the Biarritz conference. At the Amsterdam. Yeah, and at the Amsterdam one. And uh, Lauren was inspired by the plushies. So <laughs> she came up with a tagline just off the, you know, a, a very quick tagline. Do you remember? Do you even remember yeah. what it was? Um, yeah. Bitcoin and sometimes you just need a hug it. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> great tagline. Uh, it's a it's a proven business because Lena sells the plushies at the conferences, so you know there's a market for them. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to start a business as an 11 year old, no bank is going to take you seriously. They will not give you any money to start that business if you needed money to start it, and they would not give you any banking facilities. So when people want to pay you. Yeah. For your pro, uh, your product, they wouldn't give you that payment rails. Bitcoin does. Yeah, Bitcoin empowers an eleven-year-old living anywhere in the world to enter the global economy, and Geyser helps that. So you could literally set up a project on Geyser, say, "Here's my idea," with your tagline, and people from around the world might want to send you some sats to help you start your business. 
And you could also purchase whatever it is that you're selling on Geyser as well through, um, we have like a little marketplace. It's like a rewards based crowdfunding, right? So you can like pre-order whatever you want to, uh, you could pre-sell uh, what you want to sell and also pre-order what hasn't been built yet. So now an 11 year old can do business. You just need an idea. That's all you need. Does that sound like a fairer world than the one we currently will live in? Yeah. Where 11 year olds are told you're not allowed to do business. You're not allowed to have a bank account. Definitely more fairer than this Yeah, exactly. Right. Anyway, do you want to say goodbye to, uh, to Mick? Yep. Bye. So nice to meet you. Yeah, you can bring back a coffee. It's too early for a beer. We're not <laughs> the same time zone for once. So we'll share yeah. a coffee. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, still need that. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's let's find out a little bit more about yourself. You are, as far as I know, an Italian dude living in London, building yeah. a Bitcoin project. But let's back it up. Let's find out a little bit about yourself growing up in Italy. Where where was that, and what did life look like for you growing up, going through the education system? You know, what what were your parents doing, and you know, the, the kind of early days that shaped your thinking. Yeah, I think I have a, a bit of an unusual background compared to most Italians. So I uh, lived in Italy in Rome until I was about twelve, and then my mother uh, essentially worked for one of these big kind of. Uh, uh, international organizations from the United Nations, mostly related to like humanitarian emergencies. And so as a result, I ended up living, uh, moving at 12 to Egypt. And that's where I did my education in an international school until, until the end of high school. So for a good seven years, that's why my Italian accent isn't, uh, that protuberant in my speech, uh, doesn't, uh, <laughs> is disguised, um, and so, yeah, so I had always this, uh, I think because of that, I was quite marked by just the idea that, you know, uh, I understood that I was Italian, but I lived in other countries. And uh, so sort of, you know, like, who am I, you know, uh, that kind of like early existential crisis in terms of like, you know, identity and figuring out culture and what it, what does it mean and how does it mean to, to live in these culture shocks. And what was cool about that experience is that I got to meet, you know, my best friends were like from, you know, Germany, England, uh, India. And so I got exposed to this kind of global culture, uh, but without really realizing that global culture was still quite elitist. Uh, it was still sort of like, you know, like, uh, you know, we're still different, you know, there's still some sort of like hubris and there's sort of like an, an, an elite sense of it that... Uh, I then made, uh, help to make, make sense of that through, through Bitcoin as well. Um, but sort of, yeah, that's sort of my, my, my background. And, uh, um, and then I went on to university in Canada um, where I studied anthropology and economics. So there I continued to struggle with my identity because I was studying anthropology, uh, which was telling me some, you know, that X, you know, uh, that, you know, that X is true. And then I go to economics and they would say X is not true, Y is true. Uh, and so again, got to expose like these differing opinions, these differing culture, cultural like, me um, um, methodologies of understanding the world, but also like uh, epistemologies. How do you make sense of the world? And like, what do you know what is that what is true is true. And so somehow, I managed to like take 
the best of both worlds. Like I, I managed to appreciate a lot of the economics thinking, uh, a lot of some of the quantitative methods, and uh, um, although also very aware of the over quantitization of economics and the fact that a lot of it didn't, didn't make sense. Um, and uh, uh, I hadn't quite, you know, so, so in, in economics, you, you learn that Austrian economics is just bad. And so uh, I didn't quite understand how to get out of that yet. Um, but also in anthropology, I, I liked actually, what I really liked about anthropology was sort of like high level understanding, like the sort of, you know, you have to understand the world, you have to like experience the world sometimes to understand and to grab, to understand truths. And so, I liked the sense that anthropology gave that, okay, some things are definitely off, just look at what, how people are acting, how people are behaving in the world today. Um, while economics is saying, oh, things are great, economic growth is great, and that's all that matters. And that to me, didn't make sense about that there's one metric that we kind of bow down to and venerate. That didn't make any sense. And at the same time, anthropology was like, becoming incredibly like uh, radical in sort of some ideas and, you know, a lot of the gender, uh philosophy was starting to really creep in and sort of everything was hyper relativizing and so like you couldn't make a single statement of, about truth because people would like look at you weird and say there's no truth everything is relative and so uh, i find myself in a really kind of always in a, in a weird place in between worlds um and uh so that's sort of like with university and then i made my, my, made my way to london in my masters <clears throat> i studied at the lse anthropology and, uh, and, and, uh, and development actually, which is a cool course kind of focusing on both anthropology and, and economics and like political economy, which was really, really interesting. And uh, I found a lot of really, you know, like old school teachers of both anthropology and also economics that helped to like uh, understand academia um, of today in a different light as sort of being kind of, uh, you know, all about trends and sort of um, you know, moved by certain trends that exist today uh, around hyper-relativism, around, you know, like uh, patriarchy, around a lot of these different concepts. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if that's, uh, if that's, uh, happy to continue going and then. Yeah, no, there's, uh, there's loads that I, I, that I want to keep asking you about yeah. uh, before we get on to Geyser. Thinking about what you said about um, that elitist, trying to find your identity here you are mm. living in egypt most likely mm. uh surrounded by well-to-do people and you're building mm. this crazy elite network and it sounds amazing but at the same time the only reason you're there is because your father is doing humanitarian aid work and you're probably seeing um like uh, the the pits of human mm -hmm. suffering Mm -hmm. that's a, that yeah. right there i can understand why that's a weird one for you to kind of grapple with yeah i mean and also it makes so much sense that i was be so attracted to bitcoin because there is in bitcoin this sort of moral this moral tension and uh, this like moral question uh, around like you know human suffering how can you minimize that and um i think this is where a lot of the you know like morality is is important uh to some extent and you know help me sure that you have a moral compass and like an ethic of like what's best for the world um the problem is that the way that a lot of humanitarianism uh ends up solving those is through top-down top-down approaches and impositions 
Um, and I, I really got to see that after university, actually. So after my master's, I ended up in Nepal after the earthquake because I was like, wanted to follow, you know, whatever my parents were doing and was kind of curious about that. I thought that was sort of my, you know, my way forward. So I ended up for a year working for an uh, English NGO in that area. And um, it was pretty cool because I got to travel everywhere. I got to travel to all these remote parts of, of Nepal. Like I got to like visit these completely bizarre places, just uh, just remote, like the kind of the most radical stuff you could, like I really got to see, like you said here, the like, you know, the pits of the earth in some ways, like some people that were bounded in slavery, even today, the fact that they, they, they were kept in what's called debt bondage, um, all their debts, had like 100% interest rate, so they could not escape it. Um, they had no latrines, they had no toilet facilities. But the thing that completely shattered me, shattered my way of thinking, was the fact that we were there trying to understand what people, what people's needs were, what people's problems were. And then what I saw is that they had smartphones. So like they had like very, very simple smartphones through which they could communicate with their families and friends all across the world. And somehow they were transferring money. I didn't like look into it. They probably weren't using Bitcoin, but the very fact that they had their phones and that technology was enabling them was like the key enabler of their, of their, of their wealth and their, their prosperity. And it wasn't these kind of foreigners coming in and like, you know, giving them, you know, like a, now, I'm sure that also sometimes helps, but technology is the main driver of 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 sort of wealth, um, um, of of increasing your, your your wealth and your well-being. And um, I really somehow it only really clicked there. I think I had been you know really brainwashed by current culture into thinking that technology, you know, like is, is you know is bad. Like social media is bad. Look at the Matrix; machines will take over. Um, and there is there is such a I mean there's there's a dark side of technology around technology that are centralizing power and information um, and using that um, um, you know unequally um, have a disproportionate control and, and and power to use that but there are other technologies just like uh, and uh, technology in general the fact that it's deflationary it just make makes people's lives better off constantly. Um, and so, yeah, I think with that, I, I took a really, really important lesson with me. Um, so I'm not sure if that, uh, so you were talking about like the, you know, like the global elite. So I think there's a lot of the morality, but there, what's lacking is like the methodology, right? So it's still the idea that it's still a Keynesian top-down system that will solve it. We have to sort of like manually go there and lift them out of poverty or, or do like big infrastructure work. And it's, it's the opposite. That's actually true. So it's, it's you, you know do it through technology that works bottom up like mm -hmm. nobody went there and said take this phone and fix it like no people know how to get themselves out of it uh with when they have like through through technology through tools um and uh, yeah like to take that that idea forward i think in bitcoin what i found is actually a, a global community that is grassroots so um it's it's really a new identity it's a new belief system uh, it's a new culture that is global and grassroots at the same time. It's a completely bizarre phenomenon. And uh, <laughs> it, yeah, it's a great rip. Um, 
again, a lot of stuff I want to dig into here because you're, you're so right. The Keynesian belief is, oh, those poor people over there, we can go and fix that. And of course, that just creates all kinds of bigger, bigger problems. Oh, yeah. No idea what they're talking about. And yeah. You, cannot, you, you can't just fix things with by, by throwing what they think um, is good ethics or something. Uh, no. it's so It's so retarded, the whole of it. Um, and when you look at, so you said LSE, right? London School of Economics. Mm-hmm. Founded, yeah. founded by the Fabian Society, founded mm-hmm. by Beatrice Webb, Graham Wallace and George Bernard Shaw, and then heavily backed by philanthropists in mm. air quotes. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Fabian Doesn't get more globalist than that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like socialism, collectivism, Keynesianism, all rolled up into this nice kind of, uh, cozy feeling of this is the London School of Economics. This is where we are the forefront of um, mm. economic theory. And of course, they're not going to they're not yeah. going to teach the Austrian school. It's no. going to be one shot deal. They might touch on it, but in a negative view. I, I don't know. You tell me. You, you you studied there and anthropology as well. I mean, was that skewed? If you think back now, like when you're studying at the LSE. Because at the end of the day, they they control the agenda, uh, the curriculum in air quotes. It's always an agenda, right? So my 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 perspective on that is that um, it's really about how like how do you teach? Do you teach by telling people what to think? Do you teach people what saying? Oh, this guy said that, and that's enough. Which is what I think is a lot of current modern university systems like they don't they don't tell you go read Marx or go read Hayek they tell you this is what you know this is what this is the textbook explaining what you should know about Hayek or whatever and I think that's the problem right so it's really like low level uh, education that's that's sort of what um, a lot of modern like university is at the LSE I found it a little bit different in the sense that at least they help me actually read a bit of my Mises, help me read a bit of, of uh, uh, tell me to go read Hayek. And and actually those ideas stuck with me more than everything else because it made so much sense. Like I remember reading for the first time the role of information society by Hayek and I was just completely just blown away. Just just the idea that information, like there's, that you can take such a first principle approach to the study of economics uh, and that it's just, uh, yeah, just like shattered me. And so it's like, okay, well, there's a role to the market. Like this is the first time that I thought, shit, actually, yeah, the market is a computer. The market is a computing system that transfers information and um, is a lot more efficient at managing that than, than a, a centralized one. Um, and it made perfect sense by just following those first principles and that, no other, you know, textbook or, or, or article or thing ever tried to to propagate. So yeah, I, I agree with you that there's a left leaning agenda, but I would argue actually that's left leaning a lot more everywhere else because in some way at least let's see there was a little bit more rigor in telling you to read the the um, the first uh, sources, right? Um, and so yeah, that's how I discovered a lot of these alternative thinking. They're also like more older academics that were sort of still holding on to sh- showing the classic 
ways of thinking um, and not being kind of uh, blinded by just like these 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 modern trends and uh, whatever got you published. And so I remember there was one anthropologist, he's this, you know, South African guy who people, even other teachers painted him as racist, painted him as like a dinosaur, you know, painted him as this like, he was just a, a normal dude thinking with his own head about what he thought was true and going to the field and doing what anthropologists do, which is called ethnography. Ethnography is like the metho key methodology of anthropology, which is about going out there, talking to people and finding out what is truth based on that. So it's very powerful if you think about it. The problem is that modern anthropology, she takes that um, data, that like a powerful ethnographic tool and like asks you to funnel it through their theoretical machinery, which at the end of the machinery, you end up with nothing. Like you cannot use the data to make sense of the world because you have to funnel it with these, within these theoretical frameworks that are so closed <laughs> that you could, that it's really hard to actually um, uh, like come up with anything. And it's often like either like left-leaning kind of Marxist frameworks, um, like just, you know, What's interesting is that anthropology as well is very critical of the system we live in. And it says, you know, there's a whole just narrative, oh, neoliberalism is like, you know, horrible, but it equates neoliberalism with capitalism and free markets. It's like, no, <laughs> we don't live in a free market system. <laughs> How do you explain central banking? I mean, that's what Marx wanted. Like central banking is the antithesis to free markets. So if you went to anthropology and you actually like spoke to a lot of people, I think a lot of anthropologists would actually click. They just don't have that understanding of money, of like the monetary system. They just think it's, they, they know there's something wrong. They just blame capitalism for it. Um, I, if you go to talk to these people like that are like, I don't know, these, these radical, you know, a lot of these people are gonna be, I think so close to, to Bitcoin. Um, they just don't know it yet you know they, they just still think that the problem is 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 the is, is the market ideology but but they're not not they know there's like a cronyism there's a capitalist cronyism in there there's like an elitism that is applying the worst possible kind of state-led capitalism which is capitalism for the poor and socialism for the rich right <laughs> it, yeah uh, again right there's a lot here i want to go into um Let's go back to you finding Hayek, reading that book, and it all making sense. And this is what I want anybody listening to this that is coming new. And because I remember like thinking, Austrian economics, what 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 is that? Like, I don't even, you know, I'd never studied economics at uh, at school, just done the basic classes and whatever else. Um, so it's like, what do you mean there's a whole bunch of people out there? doing different economic calculations and theories. And I think that's probably the kind of mindset a lot of Keynesian economists uh, will be set in. Like, do I want to read another textbook that tells me all of these models are different and I've got to do all of these other models? Whereas really, no, it's just pure intuition and, and human action, as we know. And it's so easy to read and it's so freaking interesting and intuitive that it turns, you can't go back once you've read that. You mm. cannot go back to the nonsense Keynesian models where they try and fit the whole world into 
like um, mm. equations basically <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely it's complete it's complete <laughs> yeah yeah it's a, a sort of bias this sort of like uh, like this filter this sort of well this 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 sort of um funnel vision i would say it's called really it's a funnel vision of 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 mathematism math, mathematic kind of uh, <laughs> obsessive nature uh, and you have to like put things inside a model and like it's it's uh, it, I've always thought this about economics the fact they wants to create these models of reality and then it wants to apply them to the world it doesn't want to understand how complex the world is it wants to apply its models onto the world and change the world uh, through its model that's it's it's a perverted like sociopathic um, thing yeah. because who would want to impose their own reality? Um, on on the complexity of the world that that can only lead to really harmful things, people. right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Fabian society is uh, you know uh, very much a, a part of that, and I think yeah, London, exactly. London School of Economics has a, a very infamous um, you know essentially kind of founded neo neoliberal economics, um, but funnily enough, I was able to to read a lot of the the non the non sort of socialist there's more like the political economy that's still the political economy is like really what economics is all about is like this higher level perspective of economics and then and then political economy became economics meaning just the like numeric understanding of of, of society through just models and math and econometrics which is a lot of just mumble jumble and forgetting the political economy kind of the system of economics as a whole and uh, yeah, I think that's the thing is that at least you have in these older universities, you, you at least still get a little bit of um, these like, you know, older perspectives, sort of the more classical model of understandings of, of these disciplines. Um, that said, I mean, I don't recommend to anyone going to university, don't get me wrong, uh, do something better with your life, like build something, learn on your own. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of my, my perspective at the moment. It's so much just uh, so much to unpack in university, so much uh, like just wasted time, wasted money um, and wasted energy. And, mm -hmm. you know, just like, yeah, it's just not worth the candle. Like it's so hard to get out of that model. You really find yourself kind of brainwashed by the end with a particular way of thinking. Yeah. Wasted energy is a very, yeah, yeah very prescient, right? That's what we look mm -hmm. at Bitcoin. Um, you know, mm -hmm. time and energy and uh, the the value of that time and energy and how you harness it and how you use it sitting there for four years having freaking facts and figures spoon fed down your neck <laughs> which you have to yeah. go and unlearn like, it is it, completely yeah. with hundreds of dollars <laughs> or pounds of debt afterwards yeah yeah don't do it kids don't do it kids. <laughs> yeah <laughs> well and, Again, you brought up central banking in that little rip beforehand. That is point number five on Karl Marx's manifesto, the communist manifesto. Yeah. Number five yeah. is to have a central bank with total power over the, the medium of exchange or the money or the currency of that country. Well, have we moved away from that? No, we've moved harder mm -hmm. and faster towards that. There's nothing more written in stone, I don't think, than point number five and point number 10 which is free and public education. Mm. Communist manifesto. Mm. So if you think we live under capitalism, you are truly mistaken. 
those yeah. points. And I guarantee you, if you went through the other eight points, you'd be able to draw a direct line to something else that is happening today in today's society. Uh, for those people that are confused, yeah, capitalism, we're not even close to it. We are mm -hmm. pure cronyism. And well, it's a socialist, like you live in the UK, I live in France. Socialist, it's socialism. Mm -hmm. 100%, yeah. which is yeah. just, uh, communism in disguise. Yeah, it's, it's a socialism. It's really, it's it's amazing how they managed to pull this off. If you think about like this, uh, the, the the narrative, like the fact that they're able to frame this world we live in, this sort of, especially in the West, uh, as as common as as capitalism. To me, is, I mean, it's crazy. It's a crazy thought. Like, and when I first realized it, I was like, wait. So are you saying, that, are you saying that we don't live in capitalism? You know, and um, and I think a lot of the anthropology, uh, sorry, a lot of the Bitcoin space helped me to get out of that. Honestly, uh, just like rethinking things from first principles, and the memes helped a lot as well, and you know helped understand the blatant ridiculousness of of it all, uh, and uh, seeing things for for what they are. Uh, I remember one one particular meme that really stood out to me. It was the one of the I forget what it's how you would call it, but remember the one with um, Essentially, it's like this massive, like capitalism machinery that like keeps on pumping stuff and has fumes and like dirt and pollution come out of everywhere. And I just love that because even that idea, the fact that we're we have our foot on the accelerator of consumption, of production, of everything, and yet we're blaming environmental disaster on on capitalism itself when it's like the it's it's the cap it's the system itself that's that's driving all this all this like uh, it's a sort of this um this monster that we created where there is it's like the god of growth and um and the backed by the sort of elite class of of, of economists um so it's really like the religion is actually still somewhat capitalistic in the sense that it still it still seeks to seek growth like at all costs um although that's changing now it's more towards like equality there is also that happening but there's still this idea that growth at all costs um backed by like central planning and you know state-driven economies um so yeah it's it's pretty it's pretty like crazy monster that we've created and remember that scene that meme around the environmental pollution argument that was like, okay, well, you know, are you saying that, you know, uh, yeah, maybe we are doing harm to the environment. Maybe actually it's the system itself that is doing that, that is causing a lot of that. Yeah, consumerism. That's, that is the problem, but that is what feeds the beast. So it's this negative reinforcement loop. Like, uh, all right, yeah. it's so confusing. This is why so many people are so confused. Stop using one-use plastic. Buy as much shit as you can. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense <laughs> polar opposite arguments that get forced down people's necks so people do not know where to turn mm. the easiest thing to do is point finger point the finger elsewhere and start blaming mm. get factions of very very angry people whereas if we were all just living on a sound money uh we would um a system on a sound money system we would be all very happy building absolutely not very happy but we would all be building we'd all be doing uh and our time and energy would be respected that's that's the whole point whereas now it's completely disrespected 
Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I always remember this this uh, function in economics that they teach you is like the GDP is equal to consumption <clears throat> plus um, or is it a consumption plus uh, like net uh, net exports <clears throat> um, plus like government spending plus is it taxation? I forget. There's another one, but like savings doesn't really feature in there, right? But actually savings is like with Bitcoin, the key principle that enables you to have wealth creation without growth. <clears throat> That's yeah. pretty radical. So you leave, let's move on from that. You leave uh, the LSE. Uh, you don't jump straight into Geyser. I'm assuming there's something no. else between here. No, I, after university, I went to Nepal and that's why I discovered, uh, you know, like, I think that realization of technology being the key enabler and wealth creator of civilization. Uh, I know pretty blatant, pretty basic understanding, but eventually I got there. And then I also just felt a lot of, I just didn't feel in the right place. I just felt uh, ostracized a lot of work. I didn't feel like I belong to that <clears throat> tribe anymore. It felt so over like really like socialist like mentality um, uh, and really discriminatory towards actually white people <laughs> and uh, myself, uh, white and, and ma male. I felt in some in many circumstances, I don't want to, I don't like to claim myself as a victim. I hate, I hate that. It's not really about that at all. But I did feel like just a lot of uh, that weird sort of uh, equality kind of um ideology really breathing down my neck and i didn't like that and so i, I decided to just change all of a sudden and, and move towards the um the private sector so i started applying <clears throat> um you know working for a lot of market research companies uh ux uh ux companies eventually and then i ended up in london working for three years for a fintech innovation lab uh, as a ux designer uh, so sort of moved a little bit from my career, kind of re repurposed myself around UX, UI design, and ended up working for the big banks. So I ended up working, you know, first for the people in the, you know, in the middle of Nepal to working for these big bankers. Um, but the cool thing was that I was working within the technology department. So I was really starting to get introduced and learn how to code, uh, learn how to how to design and how to you know work in software teams and agile methodologies and all that stuff and um yeah it was just brilliant you know fiat mining um uh and you know going down deeper and deeper in the rabbit hole in the bitcoin rabbit hole so I found bitcoin in 2017 <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> found bitcoin in 2017 uh just like met these crazy weird bitcoiners on twitter and i was like these guys are either fucking crazy or they're onto something fucking big. <laughs> and so at first I remember just thinking, these guys are nuts, man. Like, I remember so really that meme of Neo talking about, talking to Morpheus saying, are you saying that'll be able to sell Bitcoin for a million dollars? No, Neo, I'm telling you, you won't, you won't have to. <laughs> just like, these people are insane. What are they up to? And so I got, I got curious and I, I guess the anthropology side of me kind of like went in and tried to understand these, these people, like to understand, what do they believe in? What are they, what are their thoughts? What are their, it's like, you know what? These people have, they've got something like they, they, they're, they're thinking straight. Like they're maybe the, the only ones that are making sense of the world right now. And so, yeah, I got into a lot of the podcasts, got into reading the Bitcoin standard and, uh, and I mean, a lot of, a lot of things clicked just 
took 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 to just things just made sense. Uh, all that all that didn't make sense from the world, all that didn't make sense about academia, all that kind of everything kind of made sense. And Bitcoin was that the lone man standing in my in my kind of perception. Um, so yeah, I was working, uh, you know, uh, you know, as, as a Bitcoiner uh, in the in the in the banking space uh, and looking for ways out and looking for ways to actually contribute to this growing Bitcoin ecosystem. Uh, at what point I ended up um, supporting this this friend of mine that was starting doing doing a startup, and uh, as a as I began as I joined, so I really want to try something like that. You know, build. How does it work? to build your own company or and so um i didn't start with my own company right away but i i joined the small other startup um that was really fantastic and i really recommend people just to, to take the plunge and, and 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 try to build something you know um from scratch and there's something really powerful in that but funnily enough that startup ended up uh, moving in the ethereum space as i started <laughs> as i got into it uh, which was, you know, I was like, okay, let's let's see where this takes us. Um, and, um, you know, it was, again, a fabulous experience, but I definitely understood a lot more about the problems of, of Ethereum as a system, like from like the, just the technical standpoint, just there's reason why Ethereum just isn't, isn't a sound system. Um, I got to know a lot about like their layer two technologies that are not interoperable with each other, the fact that they're really expensive, even layer twos are very hard. Even layer twos have their own tokens. Um, like it says if Lightning has its own token, it's like what? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and also just like the the ethical unsoundness of it, just the fact the, the whole, I discovered a lot more about like the pre-mine, about um, the fact that it's a sort of this constantly changing system that's not going anywhere. Uh, you know, the whole problems of censorship with proof of stake, the fact that I had to move to proof of stake because of the fact that very few miners were still around. And so it was actually uh, less secure in the proof of work scenario. And uh, yeah, just like the entire thing to me didn't really make sense. And so I, and I also started, you know, as a Bitcoiner working for an Ethereum company, it didn't feel great. Like it didn't feel, it felt a bit out of my tribe. And so I, on my own, started learning about Lightning more and more and the technical stuff as well. And I ran my own node, uh, started you know creating channels and operating this, this system. And I remember being completely blown away. Just like, why why isn't anyone building on this? Like, why, why is nobody talking about this? Like, this is the most important technology after, after the white paper. We should be building on this thing, right? And I remember one day just scrolling through Twitter and seeing and noticing how much, how much excitement and how much stuff was happening on Lightning. There were so many builders, so many pe creative people, so many people with ideas wanting to do stuff and, and doing so on Bitcoin and Lightning. And um, I remember thinking, like, I, I want to support this person. Like, let's do this. Like, I remember this person wanted to just build a co-working space in El Salvador. And I was like, I, I want to help you do that. How can I do that? And it was really no easy way for me to, to do that. I remember seeing people, you know, adding their QR codes and say, hey, support this guy. And like, yeah, sure, let's let's do that. Let's support these people. But there was no easy way to kind of keep track of all these of all these donations, no way to keep track of where these projects were going, if they were succeeding or not, and stuff like that. And I thought, okay, 
I think we probably need a platform for this. We just need a, a simple, you know, crowdfunding platform that can allow people to share their ideas, um, rally their community, and kind of update their community uh, uh, around where the project is going, and for the community to also keep track of where it's going. <clears throat> and that's where I kind of came up with with Geyser, <clears throat> and um, but. Already a year before, I had met Stelios, the co-founder of Geyser, and uh, you know we became sort of Twitter friends. And I shared him with this idea and a few design mockups, and he's like, "Let's build it. Let's do this." And um, yeah, so we kind of joined this venture together, and it's been an yeah absolute honor and a pleasure to be working in the space and contributing and seeing everything that's happening. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, I sort of noticed that there were and actually you you recommended a few podcasts before this one around what's happening in the like in this kind of the crypto space and uh, i forget um was it uh i forget the podcast you recommended but somebody kind of doing the anthropology of going inside these crypto communities yeah and uh, uh and finding at, out at mutinous 11 on twitter it's like three or four shows ago <laughs> probably if you're listening at the moment um he did go behind enemy lines and figured out what was going on he actually got himself hired into one of these shitcoin things and um became community manager in in air quotes so all in right. the um all in the pursuit of knowledge like what is going on out there like seriously how are these guys yeah he was he was being a true ethnographer anthropologist like going behind enemy lines and just understanding like experiencing that culture firsthand right and i i totally can relate to that and i mean in my case it wasn't as bad i would say it wasn't like you know, crypto scams, it was actually people that are trying to build cool stuff. And I'll, I'll, let me just say that there definitely are. Um, but I did experience the problems. Uh, and I think it's people problems that people are not aware of uh, with the ethics of money. So just to give one example, like at the very beginning of, you know, you, you have these kind of community sessions and you incentivize people to come in and join the community session to kind of create hype around, you know, your, your own project, right? Um, Again, in my, in my case, I felt like it was, you know, trying to build a product that actually people value. And I thought that was, that was, that was important. Uh, but the problem is that you're still using money that you're creating to incentivize people to, to take certain actions, right? So the beginning, we're giving out like a few hundreds of these coins. Step forward a few months or years after that. And we were giving like tens of thousands of those coins for community members to come. So essentially you're diluting all the time that people have spent like a year for a year ago, you're just inflating it away. You're 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 destroying time. You're killing. You're you're stealing people's time that they've spent with you at that um, because of that hyperinflationary action you've just taken once, and that is just wrong. Like that is just dangerous, and 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 from the ethics of money perspective, completely wrong from an ethics perspective, and so. I mean, that's why you don't need a token because you have the power to to steal people's time. And we, we know from fiat that that's not something that you need. And you don't need that to build a product. Like you really don't need that. And Bitcoiners do that as well. Like, you know, like we started Geyser and for an entire year, we worked our asses off without getting paid at all. We just did it because we thought it was right, because we thought it would be useful. And um, I think the ethos of the Bitcoin community is spot on. Is you don't need a token. Um, you you just need hard work 
and your own passion if you really want to build it. And it's something that will last because Bitcoin will last. And so if you build on Bitcoin, it will also it will also last. And um, yeah. and also it will, yeah. For um, for those listening that have not read Parker Lewis's article, I think this is the best one to read. And read it like three or four times closely. Uh, Bitcoin, not blockchain. And you'll find that mm-hmm. on the Capital website. But I just tweeted, it's yeah. funny talking about this. I just tweeted a paragraph, uh, a sentence, excuse me, from that just yesterday. Uh, daily reminder, if a blockchain is not immutable, its currency will never be viable as a form of money because transfer and final settlement will never be reliably possible. (laughs) That's such a great sentence. If a blockchain is not immutable, its currency will never be viable as a form of money. So there you go. If your blockchain is not immutable, Ethereum, not immutable, it's been proven thousands of times, it's centralized. There's the Ethereum Foundation. (laughs) They even have the board of directors that have all put up as much money as they can to grab as much stake as they can. That's the whole point of proof of stake. So they're in control of it and they can change it whenever they want. Therefore, it is not immutable. Therefore, the token, the S on that blockchain can never, ever if, um, you know, perform as a, as a money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Yeah. And a lot of Ethereum people will say, oh, but Bitcoin is a dead rock that doesn't do anything. Well, the counter argument to that is Bitcoin doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> it has to just work, especially at the, at, the, at the first layer of the blockchain. It just has to be uncensorable, secure, unseizable, and not inflationary and yep. not be controlled by any party. That's all it has to do. And then you have to build this, this financial system on top layered in terms of like cakes, right? So where the first layer is this pure soundness, pure self self-resilience. And then on top of that, you build. So that's, that's the settlement layer. And then you have the transactional layer, which is the payment layer of lightning that makes uh, fees like down to zero. It's instant settlement. Uh, and it's also like cash final. So you're actually dealing with the raw currency, um, with the raw money. Uh, and is um, uh, takes on all the security properties of Bitcoin, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and, that's, and that's like the second layer, right? And then you've got, you know, you can build, you can just keep stacking um, layers of on top of that that will essentially carry those 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 uh, properties of the first layer and so what you see is that a lot of the stuff that's happening on ethereum whether it's DeFi, although that's really bad example because especially today these days like the whole stuff is just the whole space is falling apart right but like all those use cases are going to be built on the sound i i, I mean i think right um on on a sound a layer that is resilient um and I think, yeah, I think it makes sense. I think if you read uh, Nick Batia's Layered Money, you'll understand that a financial system is, is built like a cake and you want to inherit those primary properties of the sound prince, of the sound money that will outlast everything else. You don't want to be building your castle on sand. You want to be building it on a sound system like Bitcoin. 
uh, inheriting properties of proof of work and, and things like that. So yeah, I, I think I think with the crypto shit show that's going on today, I think people will learn the hard lesson and start building on Bitcoin, on Lightning, um, all those other things, even though it's harder because you cannot mint your own money. But I think we're moving there. I think I think a lot of the stuff that's happening now in crypto land, a lot of the SEC moves to go against these uh, token token mentors. I think the United States is in a prime place now for helping create regulatory clarity that you cannot just mint your money, um, but the Bitcoin is money. And so work building on Bitcoin makes sense. So I think I think we're like carving the way to, especially the United States is to, to hyper Bitcoinization, honestly, um, even though people still don't see it, as people still see crypto, not, you know, crypto, not Bitcoin. Um, but I think I think we're slowly getting there. Yeah, that is the problem. Again, what at time of recording, we've got the FTX debacle going on, which we all knew was going to happen, and it will happen again, and that will affect the price of Bitcoin because most people out there, 99% of the world, still think Bitcoin and crypto are the same thing, and Bitcoin's going to die again. We're going to have that pro headline probably in the next week. Um, <laughs> we, it's a constant battle, but as more and more of these institutions do fall over, and those people that are trying to build something of actual use, of actual value, of actual utility on these other shitty blockchains, if that idea does stand up somehow, they will just end up building it on, on Bitcoin. And then that's the ultimate test. That is the ultimate Hey. We got cut off. We're back. Ah, I gotcha. No worries. Yeah, that, that, so, some F head at Zoom just cut us out because. Uh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> uh, and the, the last, but the final point on this actually, um, I remember about a week, maybe two weeks ago. Did you see that little video go around? I think Udi and Nick Carter mm -hmm. were doing. So Udi, Udi was doing some kind of interview with someone and he, he turned around and said, Yeah, well, it's just so boring. Uh, talking to Bitcoiners and maximalists because they've got no new arguments. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's the fucking point. There are no <laughs> new arguments. It's the same shit. It's every 10 minutes, 2016 block, and every four years, 21 million. Uh, what do you, what more do you need to know? There's nothing. <laughs> we had the big block. Yeah. That's all done. Move on. Yeah. Are no new arguments. Whereas in Ethland or Otherland, there's a new argument every second because everyone has trying to is trying to push their own agenda and push something in a way that's going to suit them best. It's just fiat land all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. <clears throat> I think yeah. There, you said it really well. All I, right. So um, let's do geyser. Let let's uh, you 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 um you finally decide. Right, I'm gonna do it. Take the plunge. You take that year, not getting paid. You and Stelios. Yeah, so I was wor still working for the this uh, this Ethereum company as I was building Geyser, um, and then I I sort of uh, launched it as a sort of pilot pro pilot project with just uh, this one guy to prove this use case really that because um, we had some we had met with Apata Johnson, he wanted to do a conference a Bitcoin conference in Lagos, and um, and we thought like why not you know partner up with him and just do one project on Geyser and see how it works and. Yeah, we got like, you know, in just 24 hours, we got like $2,000 raised towards this conference by like 150 different different plebs with like, 
we went from zero Twitter followers to like, I don't know, a thousand in just like uh, a, a week. And we thought, okay, well, there's something here. And so that's when we decided, okay, this probably is a work path worth pursuing. In the process of building it, we also realized that crowdfunding platforms, the traditional ones, are completely outdated. The fact that they don't work globally, the fact that they only operate in like 30 countries uh, because of the financial rails they're using, because they're using still Stripe uh, or PayPal that are uh, censoring people uh, and also just don't operate globally because of the way that the financial system is so fragmented and because of all the, the regulatory compliance that they have to abide by. And so uh, I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we were mentioning this kind of global grassroots culture. You know, if you think about Kickstarter, it, it really helped craft and create this online community when the internet was like really first, not really when I was first born, it was like 2010s, um, but it had been, it was a key component of creating this kind of online culture and community, um, but it wasn't global. It was just, you know, West, the West. And so we, we our like key thesis and something that we're so passionate about is what kind of culture will emerge out of Bitcoin? Since Bitcoin is, is so, we, we've been used to a lot through the internet to transfer value border, sorry, transfer information borderlessly, right? And we've done a pretty bad job though, because we still end up in these fractions, like fraction systems. We still end up with like, you know, uh, monopolies of, of power, of information that try to nationalize information. But we, we, we try, you know, with, with Wikipedia, and um, um, you know, information could flow through you know WhatsApp and you know social media companies. Information could flow freely globally, but value couldn't. So now that we can transfer value and information freely uh, across borders all over the world, what kind of culture can we create, um, or what culture will Bitcoin create um, that is? Um, you know that that is, that is sound that can allow us to kind of agree on, and and um, you know I think I, I think really Bitcoin can be the only the only set of rules that we can all agree on. I remember reading this really cool quote. I forget who said it, but that Bitcoin has a social um, a social contract, and the social contract is around four principles. The first principle is there is no censorship. That there is there is no arbitrary seizing of assets. So nobody gets to pull the plug on anyone by, by decree or by fiat. Uh, there is no inflation and everyone gets to, to, to transparently verify those prior, prior three. These are four principles that I think all of humanity can agree upon. It's just like the foundational principles of, of, an, of, of, of what can lead to an emerging culture of Bitcoin. And so with Geyser, we just want to elicit that. We want to push towards that. We want to help to create a Bitcoin culture um, and help the world connect through information and value um, through, through Bitcoin. And so it's about, for us seeing that exchange, what's possible? How can we, can, how can we connect? What can we all agree upon? And so with Geyser now, you're seeing projects in Zimbabwe that are raised, that are doing education around Bitcoin. You're seeing um, trading card games in the United States. You're seeing 
football coaches in the UK. You're seeing, um, you know, racing cars also in the UK. You're seeing, you know, uh, conferences in, in Asia. You're seeing all this global movement happening of people with ideas, of people that want to push their, you know, the, push Bitcoin forward. Um, you even have things that are actually not Bitcoin related. You have a guy who wants to build a barn for his goats and needs some help buying some of the basic utensils. So we're kind of curious to see where this happens. I'm not sure, you know, we're not, we haven't figured it all out, but we want to be a tool, a mechanism that can elicit the creation of this global culture that is grassroots, that can connect all of humanity. Because at the end of the day, I think we, we're all, we're on this together. And we, we um, I think, you know, um, we can and we have to, you know, support each other because Bitcoin is, it is I think, more than just money. And actually, well, money is more than we think of money. So it shows us how much we don't know about money. Money is so big. But the fact, it's almost like being all on the same team, right? It's almost all being all on the same, uh, rooting for the same guys. And um, if we can't support other Bitcoiners to, to, to spread the message and empower people around them, around them in their own country, then I think Bitcoiners would be very happy to do that. And I think so far we, we've seen that that's the case. We've seen, I think, over th around three Bitcoin having been exchanged. We're now having like points, almost one Bitcoin per month is being donated um, on Geyser as a platform. And, and we're really just getting started. We only opened up the platform this like last month. So uh, as people keep growing, as people's ideas keep flourishing, as we get more projects up on Geyser, I think we can help to kind of elicit a, um, a, a, a revolution of usage and showing and proving that Bitcoin is not just a dead rock, Bitcoin is alive. Um, Bitcoin and Lightning is connecting people all over the world and helping to create uh, this new grassroots global culture. Um, and yeah, it can really be the first form of globalization that can actually work. <laughs> so it's like, it's a, and, and just to wrap this bit point up, I have really, I've heard this really cool quote recently. So, uh, so like Bitcoin is engineering applied to social, to the social world without social engineering. While a lot of the globalist agenda, a lot of the humanitarian agenda is, uh, is, is like even anthropology and like economics, all of that stuff is studying and applying social engineering to society. Bitcoin is engineering applied to society without social engineering. It's a bizarre thing. There's no social engineering whatsoever, just foundational engineering principles that empower the individual that make it all make society a true a truth-based society happen a sort of a found foundation a solid foundation to be built for society organic growth in societal behavior rather than top-down order yeah and that's why we've got to get away from all of these other institutions as well because they they just govern over you every every minute of your mm. life mm. education yeah system health system the, the legal system well, mm -hmm. all of it if that's all social engineering mm 
Yeah, we, yeah, man. I, it's it goes pretty deep. It goes pretty deep. I mean, this whole <laughs> pandemic stuff, I think, exposed a lot of it. I mean, oh, yeah, to a lot of people, it exposed it. Some people went deeper in it. Some people were like, "Holy shit, this goes way deeper than I imagined." Holy mother of God, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is a, a disgusting, uh, you know, a beast under the hood. Um, yeah, from the health system to the education system to the media system. Uh, yeah, the, the the media, of course. Um, it, it's just all uh, the and then um, the industrial, um, the military industrial complex, the uh, the food. Oh yeah, the food. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's one I went been doing down deeply recently. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. It's funny because uh, you know all these Bitcoiners are famous for the eating of meat, and then my 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 wife is actually very big in nutrition, so she started actually discovering, uh, yeah, like going doing a lot more research and and discovering you know the, the the good properties of you know of 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 meat and fats and how all that's like just completely been brainwashing. And so we kind of converge on this uh, on this interest, and I went deeper on the nutrition side of things too. But yeah, it's so important. It's like uh, as Texas Slim says, sound money, sound food, and Bitcoin taught us not just about what is money, but what is what is food. As we're talking, I just sent across just to prove uh, that Geyser works. Uh, I just sent, I just funded one of your projects as we were okay, as we were talking there. Uh, I'm glad it worked this time. We had some trouble yesterday. The past few days, I had to use Chrome again. Uh, but yeah, that, that's that's gotcha. one thing. Um, that's one thing that um, I, I've experienced a little bit of trouble with because I've been helping you guys out with feedback and any kind of uh, problems that I that I face. But I, I want to really push this point to to people that it works. And right now, how many? Let me see. You've you've had 1,134 different people contribute to these projects. You've mm -hmm. got 75 projects running at the moment. And from what I can see here, you've people have committed over 5.6 Bitcoin. Is that correct? So that is correct. That actually includes the grants that we received of three Bitcoin. Okay. Um, which right. is still a contribution. Yeah. But yeah, that is that we're almost at three Bitcoin in terms of individual contributors, uh, plus three Bitcoin in given out uh, by an, an anonymous contributor that goes towards our our, our grants. Yeah, okay, and that's a cool story. Let's talk, talk about, about that. that. So you guys launched, then all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody contacts you, and what? How, how did this happen? What? What? What was? Who was? Yeah. This? So no, not who because it's anonymous. But how, how did this whole thing come together? Yeah, no, it's it's super fascinating story. But I uh, first of all, I, I met Brad Mills, and he wanted to come in, and and you know he's really passionate about giving to the Bitcoin space, and he, I mean, he's an incredible, incredible guy. I know you had him on on the show as well, so it doesn't need any more intro than that, but. He came in very early in the Bitcoin space and he understands the Ponzi's that is crypto and he wants to support a sound Bitcoin based economy. And so him and some of his, uh, some people that he knows, he managed to rally up around three Bitcoin um, to donate to Bitcoin initiatives uh, on Geyser. And so 
you know, we were looking also at what, you know, what, what's going on in the Ethereum space, right? If you look at the Ethereum space, you have crowdfunding platforms like, like uh, uh, Jitcoin uh, that do these grants and rally up a lot of Shitcoin, developers. Right? Was it called really? <laughs> it's called J Jitcoin. Yeah, because yeah. it's sort of a Git, GitHub and, and coin. And of course they have their own token um, and all stuff like that. Um, and, but they've been really successful at like getting and funneling energy, right? Funneling developers into their ecosystem. People that don't know what, what a single thing about money, don't know a single thing about Bitcoin or blockchain. They just like end up funneled in here because they get incentive, incentivized to do so, mm -hmm. right? And that's why like even Solana gets $1 million to give to their hackathons. You know, Jitcoin is also around more than a million dollar uh, per grant, I think. You know, we're, we're like doing, you know, $20,000 per grant. Uh, and that's already a lot for us um, because they get to just print their own money, right? Mm -hmm. And we don't get to do that. So we're at a disadvantage. Uh, so we have to get creative and we have to, you know, be humble and, and tr go start slowly. And so, yeah, so we started with uh, essentially... Like we, we started just with the, with the idea, like we need to do something. We need to have, even if it's little amounts, we need to start showing that, um, you know, like supporting a lot of this work on Bitcoin because a lot of the pe people working on Bitcoin, whether you are an open source developer or you're an educator or you contributing to Bitcoin culture, you are, a, a lot of these people are doing so in an open source sort of way, they're like they're not getting paid, right? They're, there's no marketing involved. They're just doing it because they believe, they think it's right, and because they believe it's true, and they believe it's going to be the long lasting um, uh, thing to do. So they're, you know, uh, they're doing it for those reasons. But there is often no monetary reward, and so we wanted to just give out something to some of the people that are to these creators, to to first of all recognize them, just like like look at what's happening and uh you know you were you know we, we met also because of these grants and we um you know you, you're part of the uh the, the board members of the grant and you you've gone through like uh, a long list of creators that <laughs> was exhausting it must have been exhausting to read through but like you got to see how much is actually happening all around the world right absolutely shocked it was unreal so again, right. thank you for right. inviting me to, to join that. And a big hats off to Brad. So those listening who do not yeah. know who Brad Mills is, go and listen again. It's only a handful of shows before this one at time of release. You'll find it at Brad Mills Can is the name uh, on Twitter. And that's the beginning of the title of, of that particular podcast. So he managed to rally together throughout his network, three Bitcoin, to bring to Geyser and say, this is for grants um and yeah. not projects so there's two different um sides of geyser right, right. project and the idea stands up for itself if people like the idea they're going to send you some sats perfect yeah. get up with your um daily life if the sats come in keep building and then you've got a little bit more skin in the game and not only that you're held accountable now by the people that have been supporting you and uh, mm -hmm. anita she's number one right anita posh uh, she's mm -hmm. got I can't remember how many sats at, at last um, the last time I checked. She's up there. I think she's at sixty nine million sats now. So rearing one Bitcoin. That's just like, like around 300, 374 individual contributions. 
So, so sometimes they're micro donations, but they, they add up, you know, they add up. Yeah. Uh, so you, you've got her there with like 69 million sats to like carry on. Please, I need to carry on doing what you're doing. Keep doing your work. Mm -hmm. Educate as many people as possible. Now we've got Pierre's film, right? The fight for the US dollar. Is it Pierre, I believe? Yeah. He's second. Yeah, that's him. Like his, his first film was incredible. And again, listeners, go find my interview with Pierre Corbin. Um, mm -hmm. You'll find that about 10 shows back. He's raised 57 million. So that like half a seven, uh, half a Bitcoin. Then you got the Bitcoin racing dudes uh, coming in third <laughs> on the podium. Like, <laughs> who knew? Who knew there were that many motorsport fans out there? That and 300 contributors. I mean, 300, like 114 individual ones. Like, that's a lot. Even if you compare it to, you know, traditional crowdfunding, that is a lot of activity. Mm. The donations may be a little smaller, mm. but this is a sign that Bitcoiners are not, they're, they're ready to depart with some of their Bitcoin. They're ready if it's towards supporting Bitcoin uh, education, if it's supporting the Bitcoin ecosystem, uh, which I think I think co probably confuse a lot of Ethereum people. They'll say, oh, but this is impossible because they think that Bitcoin is just for hodling. Well, it's not for just for hodling. It's also for hodling. It's also for sharing and for creating this ecosystem and for enabling this ecosystem. And guess what? Bitcoiners are building incredibly cool stuff. Like, right? I mean, the, the Bitcoin racing guys just putting Bitcoin company stickers and Bitcoin stickers on their car that'll be racing around the UK. It's a fucking genius idea. Like it's it's showing Bitcoin to the world as a sort of positive force in the world. And they're helping, you know, other companies become part of that mission. And they're helping the everyday folk to also become part of that project. And that's sort of I think what's powerful, I think, about about crowdfunding with Bitcoin specifically is the fact that we're sharing something that we truly think is valuable. We're not sharing a shit. We're not giving away a shit coin. We're giving away something that is very, very valuable, which is this hard asset. And so by sharing that, that is a sign that, that value is being exchanged, that really the true value is being exchanged. It's not speculative. It's not, you know, it doesn't have any ulterior motives. It's literally saying, please do more of this. And so as we see more and more of this, I think we're going to start seeing a new economy emerge. We're going we're gonna, we're gonna to start seeing creators making a living of this stuff like that's really the ultimate objective for us is that these people that are providing so much value to bitcoin if it's like you know the bitcoin racing guys or if it's like the crypto couple or yeah. you know mike stills with his videos going around like these people should be doing this full time yep. because they're providing so much value and and not and i'm not saying they should by default like it's the market that has to decide, um, but I, I believe so. And I, 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 I believe that they will be able to, I think because of the, but it just, the tools are not there at the moment. Like Twitter allows you to like a, a tweet, mm -hmm. but that, that like doesn't mean anything. It's useless, it's valueless. And it's not easy for people to share value you know, beyond the click, like we're still wrapped in said, yeah, the likes are the sort of, uh, it's this artificial shit coin. If you think about it, I like it as an artificial shit coin that only drives clicks for ads. It's all backed by ads. Bads is the basic foundation of all of it. And I think with Bitcoin and with Lightning, what we can do is we build a new application layer that is Lightning native, where value can freely be accessed uh, and, and really act, value can be freely um, uh, flow 
right? Uh, from person to person, from idea to idea. And I think we're starting to see some experiments like with Geyser, with Stacker News is doing that as well, uh, with um, Starbacker and Fountain. These are all examples of, of, of social media platforms being built on Lightning where actual Lightning with actual Bitcoin, with actual value is being exchanged. And um, I think that's going to enable a plethora of new creators to enter the space. It's going to enable people people to say, okay, fuck this fiat job. I'm just going to start concentrating on providing value. And when you provide value through a Bitcoin value system, you can be remunerated and 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 maybe even make a living from that. That's something that we're really excited, really excited about. In the past, the, the only way you could escape that fiat career that you managed to paint yourself into uh, a corner of uh, was to start a side hustle, right? This is what all the self-help books are all about. Start a side hustle. And as soon as that becomes viable, then you can start cutting back your day-to-day -day and maybe even leave your full-time employment. So start, start your side hustle on Bitcoin. Everybody listening to this has got an idea. It's impossible to switch off business ideas in your mind. And yeah. it, that is natural. That, that is natural. That's what's been beaten out of you by the education system, acting on it, because it's seen as risky. It's complete nonsense. Right. So if you can now start acting on that with the safety net of, I'm going to be earning some sats on, on, on this side hustle, and you've now got the perfect platform, I can just throw this idea up there and see if it floats. And people send it in right. because they like it. What I love about this is not only are you putting yourself in the shop window just to get some sats to back it, but you'll find the most amazing people that resonate with your idea that can add value to it or take it to places you never even thought possible. And before you know it, there's three of you, you've got a team and you're off to the races under six to nine months. Absolutely. Like exactly that. And and what's beautiful is that people come up with all sorts of crazy shit. And that's the most, I think, rewarding and amazing thing about Geyser so far is the fact that people are coming up with these crazy ass ideas, like between two, between two ASICs, right? This show, which is trying to replicate between two ferns, but related to the Bitcoin ecosystem. And who the hell thought of that, right? And it's, it's, it's a beautiful idea. It's like bringing comedy to Bitcoin. It's bringing, you know, a satire and, um, you know, trying to look between the hood of all these, you know, Bitcoin prominent figures like Pomp and um, Peter McCormack, and hopefully they'll get Michael Saylor on as well soon on the show, you know? So yeah, it's like looking beneath the hood, you know, the, the person behind the, the, the persona, um, and it's beautiful. You have Bitcoin trading card games. So it's like, imagine like a Pokemon, card game, but about Bitcoin history, mythology, technology, uh, and economics. It's like, what better orange peeling tool than trading cards that explain to you all these different complexities of Bitcoin? I mean, that's, and it can, it's random. Like to, to you, it may sound random, but it's sometimes somebody has a specific uh, proclivity or interest or special, you know, special interest and special ability and they love bitcoin and they want to bring those things together and they find a ways to do that and that's the thing about bitcoin is that it's like this mycelial network that finds connections everywhere we all find connection with 
whatever you're doing, you're finding connections to Bitcoin because it's such a fundamental thing. Right. So, and so yeah, it's a project. But now, if you want to apply for a grant, that's a different right, right, of, right. Guys, right. So yeah, what happens if you want to apply for a grant? Right. So uh, if you want to apply to a grant, we have a grants page. And uh, actually, so grants are not always open. They're always open for contributing. So you can, if you're interested in contributing to the Bitcoin space, I'd urge you to go to geyser.fund slash grants, and you can contribute a certain amount to, to our grants. And all that money will go, 100% of it will just go to creators uh, that are uh, winning the grants. And then for the, uh, uh, the grants, they work in rounds. So we just had a round one, which lasted around a month and a half in total. Um, we had 80 applicants, and at the end of the day, 45 received uh, the grants uh, at different levels. Some received $250, others $500, and others around $1,200 or something. And uh, depending on like the, their need and the amount of work that they put in um, and, and things like that. And so we have our, our next round coming up, hopefully in December. Um, and we are still thinking about the details. Uh, we're maybe thinking about making themes a little bit more specific and specialized. So rather than it being generic around Bitcoin education, it could be about you know a specific area of education uh, that we think it needs to be recognized more. And uh, yeah, so I believe for the next round, you will need to apply. You need to create a Geyser project. So you create a Geyser project. You you know start an entry. Uh, you start maybe getting some traction from the community and then you can apply to the Geyser grant. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, hopefully, you know, we get better, better at processing these grants and having more uh, board members to, to support us, um, to, to evaluate these applications. And then usually in a matter of a few weeks or a month, you, you'd hear back, um, um, essentially apply through your project um and then yeah essentially geyser would then send out send out some of the sats so it's uh it's more of a it's more like sometimes <clears throat> the grants are given out because of past work done so it's like retroactive uh, sometimes it may be about something that you're planning to do as well uh, but it's also very important to have a history right so how do we know you're not going to be like just taking the money and running away so the way that we know is that you've carved yourself a bit of reputation a bit of um, you've you've managed to, you know, to to rally up a bit of trust from the from the from the system, uh, and so this is where like the the social layer of Bitcoin is so important. Is that we need a way to, you know, uh, trust is a valuable currency, uh, and so you know, having done so, showing a history of of proof of work can be a very um, uh, very valuable thing in the future, as you can, you know, get access to grants, for example. So um, yeah, essentially being active on Twitter, I think is 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 good, and uh, providing value in all sorts of ways can help and increase a reputation system, I guess, uh, which is very different from, you know, a social credit score. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> a social credit score is like imposed, and uh, you know, uh, it, this is more like a a social uh, so a social score, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, it's very cool. And it was brilliant to be able to read through all of those different projects. And I was blown away because you, you for people listening out there that, you know, maybe this is their first bear market. 
And it's a tough one. Maybe you come in 50, 40 grand, and now you are thinking, what the hell? I've been led down the garden path with this. There's nothing going on. Now this other exchange has fallen over. Now the price is down even more, and you might be considering selling out, which is the biggest mistake anybody can do. So to, to see behind the scenes of what is being built whilst this is going on during this bear market, uh, mate, I couldn't believe it. Really, really couldn't believe it. And I'm I'm assuming round two. When are you thinking about doing round two for the uh, the next the next grounds? Yeah, so round two for the grounds should be around December. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm yeah. So coming up soon. Coming up soon. There's going to be another fifty to hundred applicants, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um... Yeah, we want to try to really, yeah, get get more people uh, participate in this ecosystem and just you know give away, uh, yeah. give away sats that that can make a difference. And 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 again, what we found is that it's not just about it's not just about the money. The money is great, but I think a lot of these builders and creators they 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 feel uh, part of a community, right? Mm -hmm. They they feel like they're not on their own. They feel like they're being recognized for their work. And I think that's that's a that's kind of the key one of the key uh, elements of it is the fact that all this work has been you know recognized that people see not only are you putting the proof of work but people see that you're putting the proof of work and uh, and that's very valuable. And then you get that belief because if you've got you know you're giving out one Bitcoin per round, so that's not a huge amount of sats if that's got to be divided between fifty people in in, in a certain way. But you get that belief, you get that shared belief that there's 50 other, 49 other founders out there that are trying to do the same thing as you, just release themselves from their fiat day-to-day -day job and build something on Bitcoin. And you get the belief in the fact that there is a platform like Geyser that has a bit of a safety net there for you and is ready to step up. And this is so early days as well. Imagine <laughs> this like three to four years time. Imagine, yeah. imagine Geyser on a bull run when people are throwing up projects. And, and again, of course, it's still the free market that's going to decide whether or not you get funded. If you put up some shitty uh, kind of project that people do not resonate with, you're going to get zero sats. Yeah. yeah. But, and that's fine, right? And that's fine. Like you have to, it it's good be. to put it out there and, yeah. and, and get the feedback. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That is how it should be because you get the signal from the market. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Getting the signal from the market. Is what it's what it's all about, and what better signal than actually uh, giving out of value, right? That's like the most pure signal. So if you receive Bitcoin for your work, that is the most rewarding thing you could possibly imagine. I mean, and actually, we just experienced that. We we just launched our Geyser project on Geyser. Did you? Um, <laughs> we haven't announced it yet. We haven't announced it yet. But some people already found out about it, and we got like a thousand dollars. In, in in Bitcoin on in the in one week of launching it. I have not funded that yet. <laughs> but like it's it's this thrill. It's like, it. wow, am I actually are we actually are providing you know value? Yeah, so it's uh it's in the goodness, where is it? It's um it's the cause called it's called Geyser Project. It's in the it's around it. this number six or seven. Yeah. Yeah, I found it. Very I found it. Yeah, as you can see, you know, somebody donated 21 sats, but then somebody donated 1.45 million sats. 
uh, <laughs> two times. <laughs> so, you know, people find value in things in, a di in different ways, uh, different, different subjective perspectives. It's entirely, value is entirely subjective, which is the key proposition of Austrian economics. Value is not objective, value is subjective. And so you need one guy that values you a lot to kind of keep you going for, for, for a very long time. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, most people maybe will send you a little bit, right? Because also, you know, they're, they have other things that they value strongly, but uh, Bitcoin is allowing us to rethink what value is. Um, and through the value for value model, this guys really is almost like a value for value platform. Um, yeah. And you're integrated with Fountain, right? Because I see sometimes yeah. like a Satoshi gets streamed over from Fountain. Exactly. Yeah. So every so you can, I don't know. For example, I could give you our geyser pub key, and you yeah. could use that pub key in your splits. So a percentage of those splits would go to the geyser project. Love it. We'll have to uh, we'll have to try that. I'm trying to fund you right now. One second, as we as we speak, but. As you know, I have been experiencing a few. Right. I'm trying to get the it... QR code up on my uh, up on my my screen. Yeah. So that's uh, that's a bug we are we're getting to. It'll be fixed uh, very very soon. You have to like yeah zoom out. It's it's an annoying thing, isn't it? Oh, you know what? All right, that's just worked. Let's see. Sending. Paid. Done. Yay. Funded. I, that's two projects are funded whilst on this pro, uh, podcast. And, you know, that's not a flex. That is just <laughs> to help people understand how easy it is. But what I have just experienced now, if I use DuckDuckGo or Brave mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. as my browser, I can't capture the whole QR code. There's just a little bit missing top or bottom. But if I move over to uh, Chrome, I get the full QR code and I can just um, scan it with my phone. So there's yeah, a now you, yeah, amazing. Thanks for the feedback. We're we're fixing that as uh, as we speak. Um, people are in the background coding away, fixing that bug. So that that's one thing. How else can people contribute to the Geyser project if if they don't have the Sats to send? Uh, is there someone with a particular skill that you're looking for that can perhaps come in and help you guys out part time or when they get the time? Or if are you looking to hire, what, where are you at? Yeah, good question. So yeah, so uh, yeah, we're always open to to open source for open source contributors. Uh, I think social media is an element that we probably want more more you know more help if you guys are if anyone's interested in in supporting us young Bitcoin startups um, around like social media management. That's something that we're looking for help in. Um, what else? Just uh, operations, actually the grants. Uh, we're looking for someone to help us and manage and operate the grants. So grants is, is an entirely open source project. We're putting our own effort and our own work to make it work, uh, but we're, we're not getting much, we're not getting any uh, anything from that necessarily. Just want to do that to kind of rally the Bitcoin community around, around Bitcoin and around Geyser. So if you're interested in operations and like managing processes, um, and helping us organize these grants, that would be incredibly valuable as well. Um, so that could be a cool, like, you know, uh, one-off type of project that happens every quarter. Um, if you also are a front-end developer and are looking for open source contrib 
contributor in an open source sort of way. And yeah, we also have some open source projects that we're building. <clears throat> uh, and actually, I think, I think you'll find this one really interesting, uh, uh, Daniel. The, this is something that we're building and it's going to be like an offshoot of Geyser, uh, offshoot of the main platform. We're calling it all or probably nothing, which is um, kind of like a Kickstarter system, but mm -hmm. on uh, but on Bitcoin. So this means that if you send a thousand, a thousand sats to a project, but the project does not reach its goals within its, the, the timeline, the money goes back to you as a funder. Yeah. And uh, it uses a smart contract. So we're, we're not custodians. <clears throat> it uses a, a time lock. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so um, we're calling okay. it, it's well, because well, the right. system is called all or nothing, but we're calling it all or probably nothing. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and it's going to be really about uh, uh, so this is going to be an open source project entirely. So if you're interested in contributing to that as a developer, uh, we're also open to that. Um, yeah, we have a lot of ideas. So um, uh, whether you're a developer, social media manager, ops person, or community person, just yeah, reach out to me on Twitter uh, at geyser.fund or geyserfund. And um, yeah, we can find ways to put you to use for sure. We are relying constantly for open source type of contributions. But I thought smart contracts could only be built on Ethereum. <clears throat> right. Well, uh, you can you can on Bitcoin if it's a simple you know simple smart contract you can do that. So it's a time lock. Uh, idea being right. you send across the Bitcoin and you lock it up for six months. And if nothing's happened to the project in six months, that Bitcoin comes back to you. Or if something has um, uh, appeared and shows um, some kind of progression in the project, then okay. that Bitcoin gets unlocked and can be used by the founder to you know further it. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. That's the idea. All right. And now I'm wondering, I'm going to get my, uh, yeah, I'll speak to my my daughter, my 15-year-old daughter. She has some spare time. She might be able to help you out on social media. Uh, mm. You know, what that, that's, what, cool. that's what kids can do, right? They can, they can get Absolutely. themselves. And if it's literally, well, this is the thing. What do they look at? Snapchat, TikTok. Uh, I learned about Twitch yesterday. I had no idea Twitch even existed. I did not know what <laughs> Twitch was until I spoke to uh, Irina from AdSlice. She was blown away. I never right. had Twitch. I'm like, well, what are people mm. doing on there? So she she takes me onto Twitch and I'm looking at it. This is all live streaming of people playing computer games. Yeah. People watch this stuff. Like, you'd be. Yeah. I'm like, I'm already shocked. <laughs> who, yeah. who the hell? is sitting around watching a live stream of some other dude playing a computer game. Yeah, it boggles my mind as well, I'll be honest. But it, yeah, it's a thing. Uh, it's a thing. Yeah. Madness. But, but yeah, I, mean, I, love, like I love that. And That will go to Bitcoin, right? You, you won't? Yeah. Have, I assume they have their own shitcoin or are they sending micropayments in some way? I've not gone it's, down. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's so inefficient. I think they're using just their own centralized. They don't need a token. They, they don't need like a blockchain. They have their own, you know, their own database money, I guess. 
mental. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's going to happen on Bitcoin. I mean, I'm sure like the streaming of sats on lightning is just so easy and so obvious that it's going to happen. Either all somebody builds it or they integrate it. All of those platforms, all micro payment ideas and initiatives are going to yeah. end up on the lightning network and using, yeah. Bitcoin, using Satoshi's it, it, game over already. If you're building anything outside of that, with that kind of idea, just, Scrap it, get onto the Lightning Network, start building on Bitcoin and reach out into the community. You'll find people that can help you. All right, brother, I've got to ask you uh, the last question. If you had one so, orange pill left to give to somebody, who would you give it to and why? One orange pill. Probably give it to my father, who's been really hard to <laughs> hard to hard to get. Um, and yeah, it's been a little yeah, it's been difficult to explain. Even as, even as someone who's living and, and, and breathing and, and and working in the Bitcoin space, is completely perplexed. Um, so I'd probably do that. But if I want to impact a wider world, it would probably be yeah, like I think I'll probably be like. Uh, uh, the von der Leyen, I mean, the whole, because I mean, the United States will figure out Bitcoin, but I'm so worried about Europe, man. I'm so worried about just the state of the world in Europe. Um, and I just wish that there was a way forward to, that was more like an orange Bitcoin path um, and not a socialist uh, technocracy that uh, Europe is heading towards. Amazing, huh? She She really is a piece of work. Every time I see her speak, I can't figure out whether she is that delusional or mm. actually truly believes she's trying to do something good for humanity. And the same with uh, Lagarde. You, you watch her speak, mm. you're like, how can you believe what's coming out of your mouth? How can <laughs> you actually sit there and go on a chat show and sit there and say, inflation came out of nowhere? Yeah. With a straight yeah, it's face. amazing. You, you're yeah. literally lying mm -hmm. on national television in front of a live audience, and you can do it time and time again. So she's either very yeah. captured, most likely, because somebody kept her out of prison. <laughs> yeah. her in that chair, right? Let's look at what's really going on behind the scenes. She was going to go to prison for embezzling money. Yeah. She is in her role at the IMF. She was found guilty in the courts, but faced oh. no justice, zero prison time, zero fine, and then ends up in the chair of the ECB. Come on, guys. It's not difficult to figure out somebody kept her out of prison, somebody with a lot of influence and somebody that has an agenda. And now she's a complete mm. sock puppet and will go out and say whatever it takes to keep her ass out of prison because she's captured. Do you have someone in mind in terms of that, or is it just like powers, structures? Whoever has that lobbying power and that amount of money and that amount of fear that they can instill or just got to her mm. first. Mm. Who knows? Right. Who mm. knows? Uh, any one of the central bankers? <laughs> Any one of those uh, original um, founding 
families of the of the Fed that have their mm. tentacles interwoven around uh, around the world, the WEF. Right. And, you know who who knows? Yeah. But when you when yeah. you it, when you yeah. kind of reverse engineer it, it's like ah, oh, okay, that makes more sense than anything that's coming out of her mouth. Like, but how did how could anyone do this much damage to a continent? <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting. No, absolutely. It is. It is. And uh, it was interesting. It was it was very revealing. Like, she really ends up saying a lot more than she thinks she is in some mm. of these meetings. Uh, like the Lagarde and, and also the, the von der Leyen. Just um, the Lagarde did that one really recently with uh, where she was speaking to, to young people. Remember? Did you see that one? Yeah. Uh, like this group of children and the, the, this interviewee was like, how are you going to fix it? And she was like, it will come, it will come. In due time, it will come. In due time, right? Do, oh, my God. A young, guy, a young guy got the mic and he said, uh, how do you right. sleep? Right. Right. How yeah. do you sleep at night? Best question of that whole thing. And uh, it's just a stupid answer. He's like, well, something along the lines of, well, we all have to sleep. Right. <laughs> and she said, interestingly, that her kid got into crypto and Bitcoin. Did you see which is interesting to see that, I mean, she's exposed to it and she says, oh, I'll let him do whatever he wants. He can be free to choose and he will learn the hard lesson because he's probably a shit coiner. Um, this kid probably is a shit coiner, will learn all the all the wrong lessons, unfortunately. So maybe that could be a good orange pill, actually, will be to giving it to, to the Lagarde's son, uh, who's, who's probably a shit coiner. <laughs> um, uh. Anyway, all right, we will close this one down. Um, mate, it's been a great rip. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you for building Geyser. Uh, it's been brilliant watching it grow and you know getting you on the phone early and learning your vision and where you want to take it. I think you're building in exactly the right spot, the right time, uh, especially after what happened at the, um, the truckers convoy, right? Uh, imagine if Geyser was fully fledged and around at that point. Instead of hmm. you know relying on um, Talicoin that they went to in the end, they could have just listed on Geyser, bam, and we would have been away right. very very quickly. So you're in place for the next time that people need that, and you're just going to keep getting bigger. Uh, I'm you know very very uh, proud of what you've achieved, mate. You should be too. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Uh, still have a lot to build, and really appreciate your your, your support, your feedback, uh, your enthusiasm, and uh, I mean the way that you rally Bitcoin plebs on Twitter is unique and um, and very much. I always notice whenever you you know send out a tweet about guys, it's like after I get like boom, like just <laughs> twenty people funding on it, like within the next hour. So it always works. It always um, it always works to support the the plebs uh, that are pushing Bitcoin. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome, man. Have a great afternoon and uh, thanks again for coming on and speak soon, brother. Amazing. Yeah, thanks for the invite. <laughs> Talk yeah. soon. Well, there you go, plebs. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mick, one of the founders of Geyser, doing great work. Really, honestly, brilliant work. And yeah, like I, I during that interview, I was funding some projects and like I said in the interview that wasn't a flex that was literally to show how easy it is you know especially if you're on your desktop hit up geyser fund 
go find a project that you like the look of or resonates with you and fund it. You just hit fund. How much you want to fund it for, you can decide. Up pops the QR code and bam, you're away. You, you've just funded like a goat farm in Venezuela for 10 bucks, which makes so much difference to those people. Or you've funded Bitcoin Racing, who are trying their best to get in front of 4 million TV viewers to promote Bitcoin via their sport. Or you can promote a film or run with Bitcoin or what Anita's trying to do as well. There are so many people on there that there's going to be a project that you can throw some sats at. And if it's the first time for you messing around with the Lightning Network, it's a great way to practice as well. Just sending five, 10 bucks. You know, it's not gonna break your bank and I know it's gonna be worth a hell of a lot more in the future. But these guys that that are doing the work, they do not have access to the kind of capital that the crypto bros do, where they're just falling over money to build the next scam. No, we've got actual plebs out there doing real work as a side hustle or you know maybe they've even quit their fiat job to put their life's energy into this because they believe in bitcoin so much that they know that this service or whatever it is that they are trying to provide is going to make a difference it's going to carry us all forward they're the ones that need support and championing and that's what geyser is doing so thanks Meg, for your hard work really great to have you on the show and to have met you in person as well uh, right, so any of you guys want to meet people in real life, you know where to head. Orange Pill app. It's live. It's live on iOS. Ask Santa nicely and it might be ready for Christmas on Android. But people are signing up and it's a great thing to see. And we're already getting a few feedback, uh, successful feedback stories of people that have set up a meetup. Those that have been struggling to set up a meetup get more than one or two people there are now you know building together because orange pill app brought them together and they didn't even realize that they were even in the same town so it's happening it works go and check it out if you want to get to any of the conferences keep an eye on the show notes links will be coming soon if you want to go to bitcoin miami use code bitten at checkout you will get a discount and go ahead and support the show sponsors. You know who they are. They're Swan, they're Relay, they're Coin Corner, and they're Hoddle Hoddle. Brilliant companies, Bitcoin-only companies you can stack with. You can try out the CoinJoin service at Wasabi, wasabiwallet.io. And then please take control of your damn coins. Once you've stacked them, once you've tried out a CoinJoin, please, you've got to get control of them, shift crypto into a hardware wallet, signing device, Bitbox02, have you covered. Use the code BITTEN. If you go to shiftcrypto.ch forward slash BITTEN and use the code BITTEN at checkout, you will get a 5% discount on that piece of hardware. I've talked for far too long. I'll catch you on the next show.